All right, so let's get into this word we've been talking about uh, from the topic of letting it work. Um, we only, I think, uh, taught on it one time before uh, the holidays, right? Is that before the holidays? So I don't know if I should do a review. <laughs> All right, we got to do this real quick because this is some information that you definitely have to get today. All right, uh, Pastor Mel said just a tidbit. All right, so, so, so when we opened up the last time we talked on Let It Work, we talked about the reality of as we grow in this particular life, we have a lot of uh, uncertainty. Uh, hey, I need some two and one, if you don't mind. You know, y'all got to treat me like the singers, right? So if I'm, hey, hey, so Marcus, if I'm here, I'm going to need some help. <laughs> All right, so... Um, so we talked about, like, you know, we deal with different uncertainties, especially change. You know, I was working on something for uh, the vision for the year, and uh, which I think I can share this without you guys figuring out what the vision is yet. But, but I was just looking at how there's things, in our, that, like, like every time we shift and every time we cross over into different uh, times and seasons and stuff like that, um, there's opportunity for change. Now, change is intimidating because we were flowing a certain way. Like, I have a wonderful wife right there. I love spending time with her. But uh, she's been on the road today. Like, she's been on the road, you know, from the fire station having two small of garage doors and what's wrong with those people? Because somebody backed into the, the, the cooks. Like, they tore down. They, they're parking the fire truck outside of the outside of the fire station. So, so Pastor Mel was getting on the doors. Uh, then, of course, they, they, uh, you have, they updated the cell phones. So she was like, what's wrong with these people, you know? And she said, so this is what she said. This is, that's exactly what she said. And that's where I was going. Thank you for uh, jumping in. She said, you know we're creatures of habit. I said, I said, well, maybe they're trying to facilitate us to change. To do something different. All right, and so, 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 as we continue to to walk out this life, we deal with uncertainty, and so, um, what, what we're going to be talking about? Uh, I forgot the holidays come up. At least how many weeks, Lord, let us talk about this? Is stepping into uncertainty, stepping into uncertainty. See, so, so that's the, that's like floating, you know, like. You know, it's like floating because when you step in into uncertainty, you do, you you know you're under no control, right? Right. So it's like this. It's like, um, um, and so we have a tendency when we get in a certain when we get into uncertain situations um, to self sabotage ourselves, right? Um, because the the, the the overwhelming uncertainty that presses us to give up or get out ahead of God. Well, we talked about that uh, a couple of weeks ago, right? Or as I used to do years ago, I blow it up uh, <laughs> before it works itself out. Self-destruct, self-destruct. Um, or as some of you have done, uh, hit the panic button. <laughs> You know, and that's you know, and the thing is, we're panicking as if the panic actually is going to fix the situation. Panic has never fixed the situation; it's only made it worse, right? Right. And so, so we went through the scripture in Matthew six. We don't have to go through all of it now, but twenty-four through thirty-one, you know, where the scripture says, "Take no thought," or similar to, "Don't worry," like take no thought. So, in other words, I'm not attaching my thoughts to the concerns, right, or to the fear. Right. And so, so how do we respond and how do we act? And uh, we don't have to get into this now, but we did talk about how this all was facilitated by Adam and Eve's sin. Because before that, they was floating. They had everything they needed. They wanted for nothing. After sin, God came to them and says, okay, this is the consequences. And this is the consequence of sin in our life. Right? He says, so now, Adam, you're going to labor to produce. 
Remember, he says, so now you're going to labor, you're going to have to till the ground. Before then, he didn't have to till the ground. You could look at the ground and the fruit would pop up. It was just supernatural, right? Then he says, Eve, you're going to have to labor for birth, all right? Before that, Adam probably looked at her and the baby popped out, you know. Everything was supernatural birth back then, right? And then he, Satan, you're going to have to labor to even walk. You're going to crawl, right? So, so when Christ came, he came, so, so Satan flipped it from favor to labor. Christ came to flip it back from labor to favor, right? And I, uh, we don't have to go, uh, we don't have time to go into all that, but I gave you Genesis 3, 14 through 19 last week. I gave you uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. come all ye that are heavy laden. Take, you know, let's, we can look at that one. I think that's a good, that's a good starting scripture, right? Uh, Matthew 11. And so, so, so this shows that Christ shows up to put us back in that position where we can float, we can rest, we can let it work, we can uh, not labor as much. Remember, we talked about that's the purpose of that was the purpose of the Sabbath, right? Right. The purpose of the Sabbath was what? To rest, right? All right, so here, verse 28, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. You know, meekness and humility. Look at that. You know, meekness and humility. Right? So, 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 now, now, now look at this. A part of our rest is to operate meekness and humility. Now, we, we, when we, and we'll bring it back. We were just talking about this in the car, the humility teaching. Uh, we'll bring it back. But the thing is, humility is empty of self. All right? Meekness is not self-seeking. So, so, so somebody can, can get the pl- to a place where they're humble and empty themselves but if they're not meek, they'll go back and seek the very thing <laughs> that they emptied themselves of, right? So he says, when you are, he says, learn of me because I operate in, in, I'm empty of self and I'm not self-seeking. So I got rest. He said, a lot of your work is you're self-seeking and you have no humility, right? Think about it. I don't want nobody to think. I hope nobody don't think. I hope they don't think, well, they're going to think this, but if I do this, they're going to think that. Well, what do they think? Well, if I don't show up, what are they going to say? They're going to say what they've been saying before you, they're going to say what, they, they're going to say what they've been saying before you thought about what they're saying, yeah. right? But, but, you know, sometimes we don't do things out of obedience. We do things out of obligation. Because, see, that's self-seeking. We're doing things to make sure no one says anything negative or we don't feel bad. No, that's not how we're supposed to be operating. That's not our job, to, to, to be so consumed with that. One time I was going home for the holiday. We was going home for the holiday. And so I've told the story before, but I think it fits here. I spent two weeks Every, pretty much every day, they say this, I'm going to say that. They say this, I'm going to tell you what. They say, I'm going to hit them with this. They say this, I'm going to hit them with that. Tell you what, when they say this, oh, I'm going to hit them with that. Oh, they better not say that. I'm going to hit them with this and hit them with that. And and the Holy Spirit checked me one day. (laughs) I guess he let me do this for like a couple weeks. He said, what are you doing? I said, you know, I'm, hey, I'm just making sure, you know, I'm representing. He said, no, you're not. He says, I thought you was going home for a vacation. He said, it's not going to be no vacation if you're all in your head like that. Stay, stay here. And we, we didn't go. We stayed, you know. And, and the thing is, when we don't do stuff, so we're really operating in obedience, we don't explain. Because there is no reason for people that are, it's another message coming up here, but there is no reason for people that uh, have hoops and stand in, in their own standards. There is no reason. It's not gonna make it. Why not? Won't be able to make it. That's it. Because no matter what I say to you, it's not gonna be legit. So, you know, 
If I say out of obedience, obedience to who? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, here you go. You know, so. All right, so, 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 so I think that fits for us, right? He says, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easier, my burden is light. So, you know, don't let him ease the yoke and you take, you take it back up, right? That would be dangerous, right? All right, remember because we said you've been bought with a price. Your life is not your own, all right? So glorify God in your body and your spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 20. All right, so let's, let's, let's uh, well, now I got to give you this piece because we talked about keeping your hands off of stuff, right? So Psalm 46.10 says, be still and what? No, no. Know that I'm God. So now word know is a, is a word of intimacy. So it's not guessing if it's God. You know, sometimes you don't make moves because you don't know if God's coming through. Well, if you could be still, you, you'll, you'll allow God to, to, to do, his, do what he does. You'll get to know God more, right? Now you'll know God. See, sometimes we don't get to know God because we keep getting in the way, right? It's hard for us to be still and let him work. Now that, that's uh, Psalm 4610. Now that scripture, uh, it, how it's explained is from the uh, perception of circumcision. So when when the child was being, was being circumcised, they had to be still. Well, obviously it's possible because if, if it's not possible, you got some children in trouble. So what it's saying is the cut is coming to remove what you don't need, but you got to be still. Right? Because if you move, something vital could be cut. Same thing in our lives. The cut is coming to remove what you don't need. But if you move, you could get in the way and something vital could be cut. All right? Be still and know that I'm God, right? Uh, in Hebrews it says, uh, be still means to take your hands off. Right? And see, so when I know that, when I know God and I know how... I can let it work, right? Because I know God, right? Scripture says, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Exodus 14, 13 and 14. Fear not. And this is when they was at the Red Sea. All right, so that brings us up to speed. Uh, I kind of ran through it a little bit, but that's on video. So you can get the details of the last teaching, right? All right, so let's go to Philippians 4. Pastor Melanie talked about this scripture. Again, we're talking about letting it work, right? As we talked about last week, letting it play out. You know, not getting too anxious. All right, so, so I'm going to pick with my, my family, okay? Just because just we family, right? So I'm going to pick with my family. So, not the number one culprit, but the person I, I pick with the most about this is Trina. All right, so, so we'll, be, we'll, we'll be on our call in the morning. Now, 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 you ain't alone because I was on the call the other day, and I think Ms. Uh, Ms. V over here, you know, so, so the person, this is what happens. They'll ask a question. So, so but before you give the answer, they're on the road, like, like, okay, here are response. <laughs> so Miss V was on the roll. She was like, hey, I got a question. And then she went on the roll. I was like, can we answer the question? What'd you say? Say it. Yeah, yeah, get the question out. With her, she didn't finish the question. But good thing about Trina, Trina will give you the question. But then she's going to say, well, hold on. Because I was thinking this. Hold on, no, no, no. Let us answer the question. Let us answer the question first. Um, I thought about that because, now, now they don't do this, or, um, but, I, but I thought about them as I was thinking through counseling because uh, we've had plenty of people come into counseling and they're talking the whole time, right? Like these people just come to my office and, and uh, it could have been anybody in Ohio, okay? I didn't say no names. They just come to my office and I'd be sitting there like, you, you came for help. <laughs> right? And what it is is it's not like they don't want to help, but, you know, there's a lot of other things we talked about in going through your head. Okay? So you're going you're gonna to give me the information, and then you're 
you, 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 you want to say, okay, well, I want to, let me give you the backdrop, right? But the thing is when you go around men and women of God, not just me and, and Pastor Matt, right, they, they actually are setting themselves apart. Uh, who said this? Somebody said something about setting, setting ourselves apart. Was it you? Yeah. But, but Pastor Mel, she set herself apart to, to pick up what God wants to say. And this is the other piece. When you open your mouth, you reveal your heart. So, 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 so to pick up. So, so sometimes we don't need all the information. But, and in some cases, you're putting your hands on it. Right? You're not just letting it work. Yeah, that's not the intent. It's almost like, well, you know, I want to make sure you have all the information, even what I think about the situation, right? But sometimes you have to let it play itself out. Now, what happens is if you ask the question and the person is communicating, you say, okay, that's not exactly what I meant. And then give them the other pieces, right? Or if they say, you know, because you, yeah, it sounds like you're lying. No, 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 I'm not really lying. Let me give you the other information, Right? But we can't go in assuming somebody's going to uh, see us like we're tripping, okay? Now, I said that because Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God which surpasses what? How much? Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, the peace of God surpasses all understanding. So all that we could process in our mind, God is saying, hey, hey be at peace. Let it work. No, no, but what about this? Be at peace. Let it work. Yeah, but what about, I don't know if I can just be it. It's beyond your understanding right now, but trust me, be at peace, right? Let it work itself out. Yeah, but, but I, I got to be there. No, be at peace. No, you don't. Right? Let it work. Let it work itself out, right? Uh, Pastor Mal said this, the need of humans is peace. The need of every human is peace, Right? And, and, and the thing is, we have the peace, <laughs> but sometimes, what were we talking about? Uh, I think it was on the way here. Oh, we were talking about um, uh, just preaching and stuff like that, and sometimes you, uh, people could be in the building, but they're not here. So there's times I've taught a sermon, and at the end, later on, a person said, hey, so, so I, I have a question. Um, I'm in this situation. What do you think I should do? And I'm looking like, you was at the church today. Because what they're asking is exactly what was taught. So they didn't say, based on what was taught, I have a question about what was taught. They're asking a question as if they weren't in the building. And so me and my wife was talking about how it's not like people are just ignoring what's going on. Sometimes people come in with problems, and that's what they're focused on the whole time. So they can't hear. Look, look. They're focused on the problem and the solution is being communicated right in front of their face. So sometimes we're looking for peace and peace is right in front of our face, right? So let's say if you come in with an attitude, that's going to cloud you from picking up your information. Let's say you come in and you say, well, I heard that before. I know that already. There's a level of arrogance there, right? So you're going to miss out on something. But if you come in open-hearted, you'll always get something, right? Right, so there's this peace that we'll find out has been hanging around us for a while. Now, the scripture says, cast thy bread upon the waters, right? It says you never know what's going to come back. So what it's saying, if you cast your bread upon the waters, right? It says you, 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 you don't know what, here, let's look at it. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 11. Let's just look at this scripture so it can get embedded in our heart, Right? Really working with this Bible, I'm not. I'm not used to this guy. It takes a lot more pages to get to stuff in my mind. <laughs> they got this thing in super small print. Like I'm 20. Nobody told him I'm 61. All right, let's look at uh, verse one here. Ecclesiastes 11. Did I tell you that? Ecclesiastes 11, verse one. Okay. And I'm reading out the King James Version. It says, cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Right? It's, look, it says, give it up, and you'll find it after many days. Basically, let it go. Right? It says, give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not 
what evil shall be upon the earth. So it's basically saying be benevolent because you never know when you're going to need a return on your harvest. It says if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if, and if the tree fall towards the south or towards the north in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. It says, he that observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. So I I taught you that before. You know, if a farmer just says, well, I'm going to hold on to my precious seed until the weather is right. (laughs) So he's constantly looking at the wind and the storm. I don't know about it today, baby. We put this seed out here, it might get washed up or blown away. But it says that person, there is no favorable conditions. You just got to let it work. You just got to. You know, put your seed in the ground. It says, Thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Even so, even so, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. So he's saying, you don't know a whole lot about your design, why you're blinking, why you think like you do, why you're designed the way you design, why you get a cut and it heals. You could be all day. And still not, how did that happen? You don't know that, but we don't get in our head about it. We let it play itself out, don't we? You get a Band-Aid, put on a sword, don't you? And then you, you know, after a while, you take the Band-Aid off. And guess what? It's done. You didn't put your hands on Actually, if you put your hands on it, you make it worse, don't you? Right. What'd you say? It, it gets infected, right. So, so, so it says, in the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether, whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good, right? We'll just start right there. So it's saying, like, we're, we're putting too much thought, and we could just let it work, let it flow, right? Seed is designed to grow. All right, so I want to use this scripture. Uh, Lou brought it up last week out of the message. And this is Matthew 25, 24 through 30. Matthew 25, 24 through 30. Uh, the message says this, the servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. So these are the things he's processing. I was afraid based on all that I processed that I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place to secure your money. Here it is, safe and sound. It says, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That is a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? It says, the least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. says, take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this, play it safe, and get rid of this, play it safe, who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. So, so he's saying, it's like, this person, I've, 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 something was given to him. He's not sowing nothing because he don't want to, he's living life not to make mistakes. As opposed to living free to flow like I want him to flow. And so, so I was thinking through, like, uh, imagine Daniel living for God, praying every day, trusting God. And then they try to set him up. Uh, like if he prayed uh, again to his God, um, they would get thrown into the lion's den. He just let it work. I'm going to pray. And then when they showed up to, to, to put him in the lion's den, he didn't go. He didn't kick. He didn't scream. He didn't hide. He's like, uh, we ready? So he let it play. He walked into the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they walked into the fiery furnace. Right? You know, Stephen allowed himself to be stoned. Paul walked on a ship. And the, and, and the winds were, storms were shaking. He told everybody on the ship, uh, I, I talked to an angel, we're going we're to be all right. So you better off staying on the ship. They was thinking about jumping ship. He's like, you better off staying on the ship. 
just let it play itself out, you know. And, and you know, when the storms and winds are going like that and you're on the ship, you, you know, people going, well, you know, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. People jumping and doing all types of stuff. Like, what's out there in the water? <laughs> right? You know, I, I was thinking about Jesus not rushing to Lazarus. How about this one? Jesus didn't rush to the prison when he heard about John. Just let everything play itself out. Took his time to go to Lazarus, <laughs> and he died. And then the people were like, don't you, master, master, don't you care? He died. He still was chilling. Like, <laughs> nah, he's just sleep. <laughs> no, he's dead. He's been dead four days. We done wrapped him up. We had a funeral <laughs> all this time you'd have been gone. But he just let it play itself out, right? Look, how about this one? Jesus allowing himself to have a betrayer on the team. Didn't remove him. Then at the supper, talked about who would betray him. Still didn't remove him. Allowed him to, to set him up. Still didn't respond. It was like, you know, let him kiss him as opposed to what would some of y'all have done. You know, he was the person betrayed you. Probably would have put him in a put him in a karate move or something, right? Right, or smacked him at least. Somebody would have. Somebody here I know would have smacked him, right? <laughs> Stella said, "Yeah." Just as soon as he walked up, I mean, man, please. You, he here to betray me? You gonna try to kiss me? You know, the brothers probably would have smacked him. We probably would have bowled him or something, right? But Jesus let him kiss him, everything, and then when they came, he let him take him. Peter whooped out a sword, took off the guy's ear. He put the ear back on. Then he told him, don't you know I could have called down legions of angels? Know what he was saying? Man, let it work. <laughs> let it work. Right? And, and so this is, I remember we uh, taught on the message to let go. You know, so, so, so sometimes we got to get out of our control. All right, sometimes I think we're in too much control. Because, see, so, so this is the philosophy here, right? This is, this is the angle, and I think I shared this before. It's been a long time, so you may or may, may not re remember this. So when there are certain things in our life that are in our control, right? And there are certain things in our life are out of control. And I think we, what we struggle is, what do I do? <laughs> right? Something's in your control. You're like, what do I do? It's in my control. Maybe God put it there for a reason, <laughs> right? right? When it's out of our control, oh, I don't know what to do. I can't control it. You know, right? Like, you know, we're going to trip. But when things are in your control, this is your philosophy. Choose life and do what's best. Now, when you choose in life, you're choosing holiness. Sanctify yourselves when things are in your control and do what's best, Right? And now, that's not, that's not my philosophy. The word says, I set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. So, so those things are in our control. Those choices are in our control. You agree? Deuteronomy 30, 19. We just read it, what? Was it yesterday? Deuteronomy 30, 19. Yeah, right? So I set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. So what he's saying is, this is within your control, your choice, Right? But then he said, gave us a hint. He said, what? Choose life. So he's saying when things are in your control, choose life. When, when, when God is saying what gives us life is holiness, right? So choose holiness and do what's best. So what do we say around here? Take the what? Next best step from where you are. Don't try to do them all at one time. Take the step that you can because that's all that's in your control. And then find out what the next step is after you take that step. That step will position you to see the next step. And that step will position you to see the next step. Right? That's 1 Corinthians 6.12. It says all things are lawful, but not expedient, not best. So we want to do what's best. Now, the tough part is you got to be holy to do what's best. So remember we said choose life, right? Holiness, wholeness, clarity. Because I'm not going to do what's best if what? If, if I'm not, uh, we talked about um, humility and meekness, right? If I'm not empty of self, I ain't going to do what's best. If I'm seeking self, I'm not going to do what's best, right? 
So, so, I, so I have to be holy, which would be meek and humble, right? Then I can do what's best. I can let it work then. Does that make sense? So that's when things are in our control, right? So you, you, you okay, you, you're getting some keys. You got, you got to make sure you use them now. All right, now when things are out of our control, choose liberty. Let it work. Because this is, this, this is the reality, right? Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Now, now this is the thing. If it's out of your control, what does that mean? It's out of your control. <laughs> right? Like this is the thing. You can't control what you can't control. So just let it work. There's certain things you cannot control. You know, let's, let's say somebody's on the hospital bed, okay? Right. And, well, I, I'll use me, okay? I'm not a doctor. Now, I'm a, a, a man of God. I know how to pray, right? But I'm not a doctor. So I can't make the, I can't schedule the surgery. I can't perform the surgery. Can I? Matter of fact, if I show up, now, it creates an atmosphere of faith and encouragement, but guess what? The doctors ain't going to move no faster or slower just because I'm there. It's out of my control, so I have to let it work. I have to play itself out. I have to intercede because I can't control it, right? So there's something, uh, you have kids. Uh, you can't control what's happening at school. Some of y'all try. You, just, you run up at the school, stay up at school all day. Teachers are like, Look at that big kid in the back. Right, right. So, so but, but there's a reality. Now, as they get older, so we have a 45-year-old. Right? Like, I can't control what my son do. Love my son. I was just talking to him the other day. And what he's realizing, he can't control what his son does. <laughs> right? So, so, so we offer information. We get inside. We can't get all worked up. Like, I give... To, I, I offer advice to my family. You agree? Do, do they do everything that I say? No. Now, some things I'm offering, but what I, if you left it up to me, I'm not really offering it. I'm like, no, this is what you should do right. because I already been through this already. But sometimes they, they do something different. She will tell you, once they made the decision, I'm, 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 I'm in support mode. I'm not in endorsing an agreement mode. But I'm not like, what did I tell you to do? You should have did what I told you to do. You want me in this situation. And even after it doesn't work out, I'm still not, see, you should have listened. I'm not, I ain't got time for all that. Because in that moment, now we got to get out of it. So what's the next best step from there? You see what I'm saying? I'm always in that. Now I might look like, I told you, right? I know I might have that look, that, that look. Benicia's over there going, you do. <laughs> my how that look, but, that, but, but that's what the goal is. Okay, y'all got me? So when we're, when we're, when things are not in our control, we're going to walk in liberty. This should help you. We're going to let it work, right? Right? So this is the, some keys to letting it work, right? Letting it play itself out. Now, you, as you see in your, your graphic here, uh, they look like they're having fun because they just float, right? Right? So... The number one key is we got to embrace the floating factor, right? So this is the thing. You can't be in control and at the same time float in the spirit. You can't be in control and at the same time float in the spirit. We must yield. We must yield, right? Because the scripture says, what, in Galatians 5.16, what is it? What is it? Right, so this I say then, walk in the spirit, you should not, what? Fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, in the lust, well, we know flesh is, is tries to lead us to sin. When sin is finished, it brings forth death, Right? Right? We know that from James chapter 1. So, so I can't follow the flesh because the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. Matthew 26, 41, right? 
So I so, so, but I need to what? Walk in the spirit. So, so I can't do both. So I can't, I, I, I can't be in control and float in the spirit. So I'm going to have to what? Let go of the controls and let myself get drowned in the spirit. But that means I'm going to have to let it work. I'm going to have to let some things go, right? right? So that's the first thing to letting it work, right? Um, and this is the thing. Uh, control will never truly know fulfillment because it's not empty enough to fully receive it. Control will never truly know fulfillment. Control will never truly know, be intimate with fulfillment because it's not empty enough to receive it. See, the person that's always trying to be in control is always in their head, always got their hands on everything, right? And they're so filled up with all this noise and in some cases all this trash, depending on the situation, right? So how can they be fulfilled? There's no vacancy. They got all this other stuff in their head. And this is the reality, like we're all living out this life. And the reality is, uh, I said this some years ago, I was driving and uh, I think I was in, I don't know, I, was, I might have been in New Jersey at the time. Or maybe I was in Ohio. Pull up at a light, and it's cars. You know, some nice, some not nice. And it hit me. In every single car is a whole separate world. You know, like you see somebody pull up, you pick a nice car that you like. I don't know. It could be a Maybach, could be whatever. Could be BMW, whatever. You're, oh, man, I wish I was them. Based on what? They could have just left the house and got their head beat in. I mean, getting their head beat in every day. They don't even know they're driving that car that you like so much. Because in each car is a whole world. There's stressors. There's financial challenges. There, somebody just got healed. Somebody just, uh, whatever, hit the lottery, whatever the case may be. But all that's packed in that person's world. But this is the reality is everybody has an outcome, right? Everything everybody's experiences is subject to change. It's temporary if it lives in this world. Why do things last so long? Because we grab a hold of them. We focus on them. We magnify them. We worry about them. So now they're... They're not just something that we're passing by. We've decided to attach ourselves to it. So now it lives with us until we separate ourselves. Every single person. Oh, what's going to happen? You know, they say uh, senior year for uh, high, when you're in high school, that's, that's the most stressful time of your life. Why? Uncertainty. But you know, the reality is whether you feel in the stress or not, you got to make a next step. You're going to college, you're going to work, you're going to the service, you know, or the parents say, you're going out of here. <laughs> I don't know where you're going, but you're going to get up out of here, right? In some cases, some people have the, the luxury of, 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 of staying at home until they transition, right? But what I'm saying is most of us have been in high school and we've been through the uncertainty. You can worry all day. Oh, okay, how about this one? It's probably no different from the person coming out of high school than the person going to a new job. They're both going into uncertainty, and they both got to be trained. Sometimes we're stuck at jobs. Why? Because we're like, well, at least I know. I know they crazy. I, yeah, they might be crazy, but I know they crazy. I don't want to go to nobody else's crazy. Wait a minute. Have you been in any other job? How do you know it's crazy? See, you, you've gotten control. You're not being obedient. You're not flowing. You're not, uh, uh, you're, you're not just allowing the Lord to lead you. You start to pick up momentum. I know I started to pick up momentum when I, was just, when I started to let go. God say something, I'm like, I'm just going to do it. That's how I got to Ohio. And look, 
we wouldn't even be here if I didn't go to move to Ohio. Because <laughs> trust me, I needed to marry that woman right there. It, it, it didn't line up with logic, but it did line up with peace, which surpasses all understanding. And all the most, the major moves in, in, in our lives, uh, you know, um, well, since I'm talking, I'll say in my life, it's okay. This doesn't, this, if, I, if I start processing it, I'm not going to do it. But I'm going to follow that peace. And we tell people, when you're stuck between decisions, always follow the peace. If you get a pull, it's saying don't do it. But follow the peace, all right? All right, you got me there? Um, all right, and then, uh, oh, so John, John 3.30 says, I must decrease so he can increase, all right? And so, and, and so this is, so we talked about control will never know fulfillment. So as God is trying to use his servants, what, what he does is he, he allows things to happen in our life to remove the control from our lives. Remember, Second uh, Corinthians 12, 7 through 12, Paul said, lest I should be exalted through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffer me, lest I should be exalted above measure. He said, I besought the Lord thrice. Like, like, like what's going on? Let this go. Get, get this away from me. He, and God responded, my grace is sufficient. In your time of weakness, I'm strong. What he was saying, when you're not at your full strength and your full thought and your full control, I work better because you can't get in the way. So I allowed this for two reasons. One, it was a diversion. You were so busy focusing on the, the thorn, you couldn't focus on getting my plans and getting in my way. Number two, it, it challenges you. It, it broke down your flesh so it couldn't get in the way either. So now I can work in your life. That's what he was telling them. He says, so I glory, therefore, when I'm in infirmities and necessities. He says, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong, right? When I've let go of control, I'm in a better, uh, better position. When I've gotten out of my head, I can let it work. All right, so this is, uh, I believe this is number two. I didn't do this the way I was supposed to. My color coding is a little off here. But it's cool. <laughs> All right, take possible steps on top of seemingly impossible limitations. Take possible steps on seemingly impossible limitations. And for the sake of time, we won't go there, but I'll give you the scripture, Matthew 14, 22 through 32. Maybe we should go there. All right, let's go there. All right, Holy Spirit, I'll just roll with you today since you know better than me. I said Mark 14, no, Matthew 14, right? And I said, starting at 22, right? Didn't I? Let's see. Matthew 14. Uh, verse 22. It says, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. So they rolling with him. He tells them to leave him. <laughs> so they had to let go, right? I'll catch up with y'all later. Now somebody, if it was me, I'd be like, how are you catching up with his later? He got an extra boat? But anyway, <laughs> it says that when he had sent the multitude away, he went up to the mountain apart to pray and when evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. We got a storm going on. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. He's walking on water here. Right? And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit or a ghost. And they, excuse me, and they cried out for, for fear. But straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer. 
It is I, be not afraid. They said, be at peace. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on water to go to Jesus. So he's, he's taking some steps, right? And when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid, got back in his head, got back in control, right? And began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? Why did you doubt? And when they were come into the ship, they who? Jesus and Peter. So Peter had walked out on the water, sank. Jesus grabbed his hand and it says, they walked back into the ship. All right? All right, it says, so he walked on water twice. <laughs> All right? It says, and when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. All right? So here Peter took possible steps on, on top of a seemingly impossible limitation, right? So there's always a possible step. There's always a breadcrumb. If you, if you pay attention, you'll find it. There's always something we can possibly do. Uh, you know, there was a situation where we couldn't pay a mortgage some years ago. So we took a possible step. I took $500 because we... we it didn't meet the needs, so I'd use it as a seed. Just sold it into a man of God. Like, never foreclosed or nothing on the house. Right? So there's certain situations where we take possible steps. Right? In impossible situations. When it came to coming to Charlotte, you know, things played out differently. We didn't have any resources, but the $1,625, you know what we could do? We can, we, we can get in the car and drive down to Charlotte. You know, we did that. We had uh, $625. It wasn't enough to start a church. So you know what we could do? Somebody needed glasses and groceries. We took care of their glasses and groceries. Possible steps, right? And then when we started the church, uh, I know Zipporah and her husband was there. We took people out to eat every Sunday because we could do that at that stage. You know, and not only that, we did guy talk at the, at, at the apartment and we would go to breakfast at the apartment. Somebody got uh, offended when we moved to the second building and we wasn't going to breakfast. You know, your past Keith don't broke brand new. We don't go to breakfast no more. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, serving people, it's a wonderful thing to do. I recommend it. All right, so, so this is the other thing. Walk by faith. Walk by faith. And when you're walking by faith, you have to have a high wire focus when you're walking by faith. You know, and I always use the high wire walkers because the best ones don't have a net. And the person that doesn't have a net is not prepared, what? To fall. Person with a net is what? prepared to fall. And they normally fall more than the person that has no net. So the person that has no net is just focus on their steps. They're not going, am I going to keep my balance? Don't get on the wire if you're going to think that. <laughs> right? Don't even step on the wire. If you're going to sit on, be, get on the wire, I hope I keep my balance, I hope I keep my balance, well, you're going to fall. Because falling is an option. The people that walk a high wire, they're not going, I hope I keep my balance, they're just walking. Because in all honesty, if I walked a straight line, it would be similar to the high wire walker. The difference is there's stuff around me that I know I'm not going to fall. But if you remove it, it's the same principle, one foot in front of the other. That's how they think. They're not thinking about left, right, looking at, ah! and I, nobody's doing that. You have to have that type of focus when you're walking by faith. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. 
right? For we walk by faith and not by sight, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. Does that make sense? Right. All right, so now, now, now this is the other process, and, and we do this at the church. We've been doing it. You know, you have ministries everywhere. Some, some are fast. Some are super fast. Some are popular. Uh, some bribe. Uh, you got all different models of ministry. But the best is to organically grow and build. And so when you're letting things work, you can organically grow and build. You let your child grow. Let the business grow. Let the ministry in you grow, you know, because you embrace the preparation along the way. Does that make sense? You know, so, so a lot of people that have stories or histories of, of, man, you know, I went through such and such, they got out ahead. They, they got antsy or somebody baited them in the get rich quick or, or the hookup or whatever. Well, you can do this now. And, and when you don't organically grow, there's things that you inherently are going to miss, not because you're evil, because things that last take time to prepare for. You don't want them rushing on the foundation for your house, do you? Okay, if you, if, if you don't know, you don't want them rushing on the foundation of your house because your house is going to look good but every day you sit in it the foundation is cracking so, so two, three years people go by oh beautiful house, beautiful house beautiful house for years and you <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you and then when that foundation reaches peak your house caves in so they walk by and go ain't that that beautiful house Right? So you want to build foundation first, right? Organically grow and build. Right? The wise build. Trust God's process. The fools tear it, tear it down with their hands. Put their hands on it. Because they they're trying to control everything. Uh, Proverbs 4.1. The wise let it work. Fools always got their hand on it. Right, and so, so as you go through this process of letting things work, even when there's stages where God affords you resources. So some of the resources are bread for your food. Um, some of it is to multiply your seed sown, Second, second uh, Corinthians uh, 9, 10, right? Um, but it's not for you to rest in, and it's not for you to trust in, right? It's just a stage, like God's trying to get us to stages where whatever he tells you you can do, you can do it. Not just a stage where you feel better than everybody else, right? Um, uh, Psalm 52, 7 and 8 says, trust, you know, people trust not in God, but in their abundance, right? I don't care how much he gives you, always trust God. You're going to get abundance. Trust me. Abundance is coming, but... Trust God, and then now God can use you for the abundance. Psalm 52, 7 and 8. All right, so, so, so this is big, and we've talked about this uh, quite a few times here at the church, uh, but, but I, I want to bring some attention to it, you know, uh, based on some questions that was asked. But we have to stay off of birth control. I'm not talking about, um, we're not talking about babies here. There's things in us that God wants birthed, and sometimes we're controlling the birth. We control the time. We control the when, the where, based on what our head tells us. So we have to stay off of birth control, suppressing what God um, is trying to get done. Now, what's birth control for purpose? Manipulation. Manipulation. See, because you, you're not going to let it work. You're going to manipulate. Now, we talked about this, so I want to make sure I clarify. Um, there's different types of manipulation. There's positive and neg negative. So we're talking about destructive coercion manipulation. That's, that's, that's when you, you pervert things or you twist things or you're wicked with things. We're not talking about constructive persuasion. That's pushing people towards purpose, right? See, coercion is 
I'm manipulating or forcing or tricking people to do what they don't want to do. I'm not talking about a child is afraid to ride the bike and you're trying to persuade them to ride it because riding the bike is in them and you're their parent and God has showed you what they can do. That is not, manipul- that is not negative manipulation. Or you're leading and you're responsible for the gifts, but people are sitting on them and you put them in a situation, but they don't want to be up front. No, no, no. It, that's that's purpose-driven because it's not person, personal to the person that's doing it. They can't get nothing out the deal. It's all about that person fulfilling their design. That's persuasion. You see what I'm saying? That's uh, constructive. That's about purpose. Those are not bad situations, right? Because, you look, Mary telling Jesus... Uh, he says, not my time because he was operating on a default of servants after he, the, the, the temple incident. Remember when they left him in the temple? It says he was obedient from that day forward, right? So he's operating off a default. He's not rushing to get into purpose. So, so Mary said, uh, asked him to, to, to perform a miracle. He's like, woman, ain't my time. She looked at the people, do what he tells you to do, right? Well, she was placing a demand on him to operate in purpose because it was, it was his time, and she was the steward over him. You see that, right? So, so we got to stay off. See, when we start to be double-minded is when we start to manipulate, when we're afraid. So watch, and I'm, 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 you know, I'm a, I'm a sports guy, former basketball player, but my favorite sport is always football. My entire life, I wanted to play football. So, so I'm watching the game, and this guy's breaking down what happens. You know, uh, this guy uh, played, uh, played in the NFL, played with uh, Taekwon, a friend of ours, in, uh, in college. And he said, when a, when a, so he, he plays defense. He says, when a defender gets scared, he starts to grab. He says, so then he gets a penalty. So they'll call pass interference. The guy's throwing the pass, and he's afraid. Now, if you just let it play itself out, he might throw it right. It might fall right into you. But they'll panic and grab the other guy because <laughs> they don't think I can defend the pass, <laughs> right? Or they're running, and you're supposed to swivel your hips. The guy gets by him just by a step. So you got to turn stride by stride, but make sure you turn your head so you can see the ball. Well, they get scared because <laughs> they're like, well, I don't want to turn my head and then the ball go by me. So they grab, right? Because they think something has passed them by or they've missed an opportunity or they're not going to be able to perform. So they put their hands on it, right? You see that? But this is what we do. <laughs> we get into fear that we're not going to be able to birth what God told us and we try to control it. We try to control the birth, right? All right, so, so uh, Isaiah 37. Now, Isaiah 37 is referenced in 2 Kings 19.3, or it's, it's, a, uh, it's a parallel scripture, so you can, if, if you're reading e- either one of those, I want you to have the reference. It's going to say the same thing. Remember, because Isaiah is a prophet, so he's, just, he's talking about kings. They served kings, okay? And uh, so that's why it's in 2 Kings also. All right, it says, and they said unto him, thus saith Hezekiah, this, oh, uh, verse 3. Did I tell you Isaiah 37? Yeah. Okay, verse 3, I apologize. I said, he says, and they said unto him, this saith Hezekiah, this day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy. Now he breaks it down after the the colon, right? He says, for the children are come to birth and there is not strength to bring forth. So he's saying is there at a place where this is the timing and the season. We're going to talk about that maybe next week, timing and season. there's There's a time and there's a season for them to birth some things, but they don't have the strength to let, it, to let it out, right? And, and, and so, so, again, because of birth control, 
And so the Bible tells us don't be led astray. Don't let anything get in your head that's going to stop you from allowing God to birth what he started before the foundations of, of the earth. Scripture says be confident in this very thing that he has begun a good work in you will perform it into the day of Christ Jesus. Right? That's Philippians uh, 1 verse 6. Right? So you got to, uh, Philippians 2 says he'll work in you to will and to do his good pleasure if you just let him work. Right? Philippians 2, uh, verse 13, right? And the scripture tells us to watch out for the seducing spirits, right? See, because when these things start to get into our head, it tries to uh, pull us and trap us. We were talking about spirits in general, but to trap us so we'll panic and get into birth control. Remember, even when... when, um, the adversary was talking to Eve. He tried to convince her that she needed more than, more than she, she had. She had everything she needed. All she had to do was let it work. But she, he, tried to, he convinced her to put her hands on it. Man, you just go ahead and eat this, this apple if you really want to be like God. She was already like God. She had to grow into the fullness of what was imparted into her. She had to allow herself to organically grow and build. It was a, she already was equipped with everything. The interesting thing is, um, I made the case, we have what we need. But the challenge is the adversary has us always looking around, always sizing somebody else up, always measuring ourselves with someone else. But the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, dare, dare not to compare yourself with yourself and others, how you used to be, what you, what you used to do. How, I don't think I'm ready for this. Nope, don't do that. And then it says, don't compare yourself to others. Well, I, I don't do it like them. And you never will. You have what you need to fulfill God's purpose and design. Let it work. Stay off of birth control. Let them birth it out. You know, stop choking when you're supposed to be releasing, right? Scripture says this in Mark. Let's, let's look at Mark. This is how we're designed. All right, we'll do uh, two scriptures and we're done. All right, Mark chapter 4, and we'll focus in here at verse 28. Well, let's start at verse 26, just so it's in a little bit of, little bit of context. So the kingdom of God, that's where we live, right? In the kingdom, right? Or that's where we're supposed to live, right? Or we're supposed to be at least seeking it, right? Seeking first the kingdom of God, right? And this righteousness, all things to be added. What? What's that? What was that? Seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things to be added. So if I seek God first, I can just let it work, right? Because I'm going to attract everything I need, right? Okay, good. That's Matthew 6.33. I know we weren't talking about that. It says, and he said, so, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, look, look, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. So, so, so it says the person put the seed in the ground and let it work, right? And then verse 28, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, after that full corn in the ear. See, what, the earth, where are we? We're on the earth, right? We bring for, we, if we let things play, our, play itself out and stay, stay in the presence of God, we're nasty going to produce. We've been designed to produce fruit. In, in us, is, that's the natural thing. The only way we can't is if we control it. Right? If we control what God's trying to birth through us, it's the only way. If we let somebody convince us to be like them, now we take on them. Right? So now we're taking on a cap that suppresses what we're trying to birth. Because we weren't designed to be them. So it sits there because we can't do nothing with that. 
right? When we take on worry and stress and concern, when we take on this business, that business, this endeavor, instead of locking into what God tells us to do, we're capping what we're purposed for. And then sometimes we'll get into purpose, we start picking up momentum, our thirst gets quenched, and then we default back into the things that's been suppressing our birth, right? Because we're designed, like it says the earth produces, uh, another version says, acting by itself. Without, without anybody putting their hands on it. It's designed already to do that. The Bible says as long as the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest. It's built in like gravity. God is, God is not mocked whatsoever man what? Soweth, that shall he also reap. By itself, like God doesn't have to show up to see what's going to be the fruit. We're going to reap what we sow. That's what goes on. If you're faithful, you're going to reap faithfulness. If you're thinking about yourself all the time, go ahead and start a business if you want to. You can have a bunch of selfless people around you. God don't even show up. You acting selfish? Wait till you start that business. I'm going to show up. God ain't got to show up and be like, you're going to get what you sow. You ain't thinking about helping nobody do nothing, but you want everybody to help you do everything. You reap what you sow. And then this is the thing. Because this is what happens with children, with parents and children sometimes. They try to rush the, the, the child to harmonize into where, what they think they should and should not do. Let them grow. Everything, to everything there's a season, there's a time for every purpose. Instead of pushing the child, pressing the God, and he'll help you to lead the child. Right? But you're going to have to empty, be empty of self, humility, right? And don't self-seek meekness. That child ain't going to embarrass me. It's not your child. It's God's. Let it work. Let it play itself out. Right? I'm going to read this exactly the way it's read. Man, let it birth. Let it grow. Let it work. God has set it up to harvest in its time. So let it birth. Let it grow. Let it work. Keep our hands off it. And you can feel when you got your hands on something that that you ain't supposed to have your hands on. You can feel it. Your whole peace, the peace leaves you. As soon as you start wrestling, that peace be gone, man. Like, and, and you feel that, you know, that anxiety that be kicking in, and you be like, oh, I done done something I ain't supposed to do. <laughs> and you know, and you try to play it off, and then you try to hope it work out anyway, as opposed to repenting, repenting, repenting. A little jersey in me. All right, so let's, that, that's all for today. We'll stop right there. I just want to give you some practical steps to process through, you know, and letting it work. So uh, give me some thoughts.